Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never Good morning, everyone. Today is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. I'm your host, Rose Cress, and today we pulled Alamo. I thought I'd try something a little bit different. You'll have to let me know if you like it or not. I'm going to try and give you just the short of it right here at the beginning, and then you can listen to me talk about it more, because I know you really love that. But I don't know where these things are always going to go. Like, I have a sense, but then I don't have a sense. Anyway, the short of it for Alamo, my note here I've written down, are you defending or fighting from a place of righteousness or selfishness? So let's talk about Alamo. Alamo comes from 1996, Boys for Pele. It's a B-side. I didn't much care for this song when I first heard it. And if you listen to the Drive All Night podcast, you'll hear Saker give me a shout out because of a request I made for this song along with Saker back in 2014 on the Unrepentant Geraldine's tour. Now, I kind of got to explain that a little bit. Back in the day, I had my music on iTunes on my computer and I had an iPod and I would just kind of listen to things on shuffle. Sometimes I'd listen to an artist on shuffle and Alamo started coming up. You know, there's songs, I don't know about you, but I have this internal song radio kind of going and I'll just wake up with songs in my head and sometimes those songs will kind of run through my head during the day. Sometimes they're there momentarily and then they kind of go away. Sometimes they come back like there was one time that I had that song by the Shins, Caring is Creepy. I think I'll go home and mull this over. And I had that song rolling through my head, not a portion of the song, not like an earworm, but like the song just kept rolling through my head for like three days straight. And I'm like, what's the message here? Anyway, back in 2012, 2013, that started happening with Alamo. And it would just kind of come up over and over and over again. And I listen to the albums and I listen to the albums to the point where like I can sing along with all of the songs even if I don't particularly care for a song because I try to really give it a listen because there's that sense that I have that Tori's really a teacher for me and that there are messages like not like oh she's writing this song there's a message for me no it's not like weird like that but that she's really worked hard on crafting the songs and crafting a message don't think that the way she's writing is really flippant and so I like to really listen to the songs. I'm the same way with Tool. I think they really go about crafting the music and so I like to spend time really listening to the music so I can hear what is really being said here. When an artist spends a lot of time crafting a piece of art, I like to spend time with that piece of art. I mean, yeah, some people spend a lot of time with songs, but some of that's like production time, not necessarily in the writing aspect of it. So you can kind of tell when somebody's spending a little more time in the writing aspect. Don't get me wrong, I really enjoy all kinds of music. I enjoy songs that are done quickly. I enjoy songs that have been worked on for a long time. You can be all over the place. But anyway, so I know the song. So I had heard Alamo a number of times. I'd listened to it a number of times. I knew the words, but it just started coming up. It would come up on shuffle. It would come up in my head. I'd find myself singing it and 
and then I'd go play it and like what is happening here so I decided like well the next tour I'm gonna ask her to play Alamo because I feel like I'll get a deeper sense of what this song is trying to say to me in this moment if I hear her play it live so I pulled my diary my diary I almost called it my diary I did call it my diary (laughs) my journal when did we go from like are you an adult when you stop calling something your diary and calling it your journal I mean I don't like dear diary or dear journal but like I definitely have I've kept every journal or diary I've ever written like I have a box that goes back a ways because I put everything in there like I put my day and I take notes when I do stuff but anyway so I pulled my journal from 2014 that has my notes from that so we did the meet and greet in Los Angeles and you only had to wait four hours in 2014 which is kind of a short period of time to wait for a meet and greet because I mean like in 2011 it was like eight hours but Joel and I had driven that morning to get there and uh, we stood in line for four hours I had this really disastrous picture with her like so disastrous because like I had asked her a question and she answered it or I'd said thank thank you and asked her a question about like well how do you hold space for people and she told me grounding and then Mindy who was there at the time was like okay like move along and I'm like I didn't even get to ask for my song so she starts taking the picture and I asked her if she would play Alamo but I asked her right as Mindy was taking the picture so it literally looks like I'm about to take a bite out of Tori's cheek I look like a crazed fanatic fan about to take a bite out of Tori and she's obviously laughing because I must have said something funny I have no idea what I said So anyway, I asked for it and then I've written down, I just read you what I wrote down. She said that Saker had requested it too and that it was coming. And I told her then that we had been colluding and I, you know, I don't remember if we had been colluding, but maybe we had been, or maybe I just lied to Tori and that is why she's never played Apollo's Frock for me again. But anyway, so we get to... And if you listen to the Drive All Night podcast, and you especially listen to the episode on Alamo, you heard this, but she introduced it by saying, a group of girls requested this song. And I'm like, she just said our names on stage. I mean, like, that's the closest I'm going to get to Tori saying, Rose, this one's for you. And it wasn't Rose, this one's for you, but it was Rose and Saker, this song is for you. Um, But I was part of that group. But I knew it was coming that day because we had been driving, it was Corby and I had been driving around, or maybe it was Corby, Joel and I at this point, we had been driving around in San Diego. We had stayed north of San Diego because of Comic Con. So yeah, I guess it was all three of us at this point. We drove down and, and I got lost. And as I got lost, there was this big sign that said Embarcadero. And I was like, oh my God, she's totally going to play Alamo. So I knew it was coming. Anyway, that's my little Alamo story, and you're my captive audience, so there you have my little Alamo story. I don't know that I really got any further into really understanding what Alamo was about or why Alamo was kind of coming for me and showing up for me. And I've had an Alamo, I mean, you know, if I'm going to some of the same shows that Saker's going to, then I'm going to get Alamo because she played Alamo in uh, Mesa this past summer, two, or you know, 2023. Uh, she played it in 2017. So I was there for that. So I've heard it a number of times since then. It's a nice rare song. I love hearing it. I really do think it's a beautiful song. But in really listening to it, one of the things that came to me with Alamo is, I mean, this is definitely a breakup song for sure. For me, 
she's the aggressor in this. Like, that's what I kept coming to was, are you the aggressor? Are you fighting for something that isn't worth fighting for anymore? Like, that's the message here. Like, where in your life are you fighting for something that's over? Fighting for something where you've been getting the messages that it's done, but also, you know, there's this, I banged on my knees on your back door, like literally banging on the knees. And for me, that's not like, please, I don't want this to be over. It's kind of like, please, I'm really sorry. I've you know, kind of screwed things up. You found out about my Fandango or I heard about your Fandango. Like she, someone was dancing with somebody there and, you know, like, I'm sorry. And it's like coming to the back door, showing up and shame. Like for me, there's a sense of shame woven into this song because we're going to the back door. We're not going to the front door. Like we don't really want to be seen. And maybe we're full of shame because of what we did, or maybe we're full of shame because um, we don't want to be caught going back to something that just isn't working. But there is that sense that there's, you know, fighting going on. Like, I don't think I'll be going as fast as I came. Like, I'm not leaving as fast as I fell into this relationship or I fell into this friendship or whatever it is. I'm not leaving as fast as I came. And then there's that line, tears on my pillow, of course they're not mine. Like, that to me says that she's kind of the aggressor. And I know, like, Saker and David and Ethan were talking about that as, like, maybe potentially ignoring like, of course they're not mine. Like, I'm not sad over this. You're sad over this. I'm not crying. You're crying. But I don't get, for me, I don't feel that sense. For me, what I'm feeling from that is that she's the one, the narrator's the one causing the pain. And that's where I get to this question of, are you defending or are you fighting from a place of righteousness or selfishness? Are you fighting for something in your life right now because it's the right thing to fight for? Or are you fighting for something in your life right now because it's something that you want? Is it a pure reason or is it a selfish reason? And it's good to get clear on these things because sometimes the selfish reasons for which we might fight for something are not mm, reasons to continue fighting for something. Sometimes they are. Like, I can't be the one that I'm not going to make a blanket statement here and say like if it's not a righteous reason you shouldn't be fighting for it but is there maybe another way you could come at it could we come at it with a sense of kindness could we come at it from a sense of compassion could we come at it from a sense of surrender like sometimes we are the aggressor and we're really pushing and we're really fighting and that push and that force like we talk about i talk about this in yoga a lot that you can't force something like a yoga pose when you're forcing it there's all this effort and the yoga sutras tell us that one of the parts of mastering a yoga pose is the relaxation of effort. It's that sense of the effortless effort where the yoga pose starts to hold you and you're not holding the yoga pose. So there's that sense of flow. Be like water, right? We've got the flowing water where you're in that state of readiness. You're in that state of presence. You're here, you're awake, but you're not forcing something to happen. And that's this kind of sense. How do you surrender? That's Alamo. How do you surrender to what's happening without forcing an outcome? That's the tack that we can take today. 
So maybe you've had some sort of, oh, I don't know, confusion happening in your life. Maybe you've had some sort of conflict and you've been fighting, 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 fighting. Maybe you can switch that around and surrender in that conflict. And I I don't mean like give up, but maybe it requires you surrendering your point of view or maybe it requires opening your point of view to encompass that person's point of view. If we really want to ease conflict and not experience conflict with somebody else, it's important that we hold their point of view as though it was our own for a moment, you know, walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. But if you can come to love somebody else's point of view, you can see where they're coming from and then you can talk to them from that place. An example, we had somebody who was at the pool, this is a couple weeks ago, and they had this flotation device on their kid. And I was like, looking at it, I was like, that doesn't really look safe to me. And the rule at the pool is that if you have a flotation device with a kid, that has to be Coast Guard approved. So like life jackets need to be Coast Guard approved. And so I asked the woman if I could read what the writing said on it. And I read the back and her two-year-old child is using something that's for three three years and up. And so I said, well, this isn't really Coast Guard approved. And as the sign says behind me, this needs to be Coast Guard approved. And right away, she just was really prickly. And she was like, this is what I've seen somebody else use. And, you know, kind of like got defensive. And instead of like saying, well, look, I'm the lifeguard and what I say goes, you can't use that. Because I didn't want to tell her, no, you can't use that. I wanted her to kind of understand that this might not be something safe and so that she could make the informed decision because she's an adult. I don't want to just treat her like a kid and say, no, you can't do that. So instead, I said to her, like, I know you are the mom here and you're doing an amazing job with your kiddo and I trust you and I know you have your child's best interest at heart and I'm not concerned about that. What I'm concerned about are the unforeseen things that we can't predict. And my job is not to save your child's life. My job is to prevent anything from happening to you or your child. And once I put it in that, that she understood that I was not questioning her parenting, but that I was concerned about some unforeseen circumstance causing that flotation device to become a danger to her child. She was like, oh, so then I should probably take this off, huh? And I was like, yeah, I think that would be good. And then she was fine. She wasn't mad. She wasn't upset or anything like that. So that's something that could potentially be a conflict. And, you know, I mean, honestly, working in a situation like that, you can get a lot of conflict because we tell people no. It's not like, oh, okay, you know, like we literally blow whistles at people and tell them not to do that because that's not safe. And they're like, well, what do you mean it's not safe? Well, okay, I get it. You don't, you know, like... Anyway, so if we can come at things from a place of like honoring people and honoring their point of view and trying to talk to them from their point of view, we can avoid conflict. And that's what we want is to avoid conflict. I don't think that's what's happening in Alamo here. (laughs) I don't think there's a conversation of understanding and honoring point of views. There seems to be a lot of shame. And when we come from a place of shame or we step into shame, there's a sense of needing to hide some of the things that we've been thinking 
or going through. And when we're trying to hide parts of ourselves, when we're not showing up authentically, that's when we get into trouble. So what's the pose or the energy of this song? Well, the invitation of, I mean, the energy of this song is that kind of sadness, the ending of something, the breaking up of something, the mea culpa of something. And I felt like the pose that was good for this, I was like, well, a full prostration is kind of like, that's what I would want to do in this. Just be all the way on my stomach with my arms over my head and forehead on the ground. And like, I'm sorry, please forgive me. What can I do to make this up to you? I won't do this again. That kind of apology. But then I felt like, I mean, I reserve a prostration for when I'm like really bowing to what's highest. And that an apology, for me, I want an apology to come from a place of strength and a place of awareness, a place of owning what I've done, owning myself. And so the pose that I came to that really represented that more, that I couldn't hold for the full length of of this song, but that's okay. We don't have to hold a pose for the full length of the song, is what's called the eight-point bow. So the eight-point bow, you would be coming from like a lunge or a downward-facing dog. It's It shows up in a lot of sun salutation practices or variations of sun salutations, but it's about how we're about to come down onto the abdomen for doing what we call belly downs or back bends from a belly down position. It's the eight-point bow because both of your hands are touching the floor, your palms, your chin, your chest, both knees, and both feet, like the balls of both feet. So there are eight points of contact between your body and the earth. So your heart and your chin are on the ground in that kind of surrender, but there's still a sense of strength because it takes strength to hold this pose for longer than a breath. You've really got your arms working. So your eight point bow is your practice for Alamo. So I hope you enjoy Alamo and I want to leave you with what my favorite version of Alamo, you would think my favorite version of Alamo is the one from San Diego where she says like, where she says my not name on stage. But I, the version I really, really absolutely love is the version from 2003, August 20th of 2003 in Columbus, Ohio, when she just whips it out with the band. Like, oh, here, I'm just going to play this with the band. As she sometimes just like, oh, hey, let's play this song. And it just shows up randomly. It's like fully formed, has a band, never says anything about it. And it never comes out again. What? But I really love that version with the band. I think there's kind of like this funky groove drive to the song that I really enjoy uh, about it. And that's the one, I think that's the one I kept listening to in 2013 because it was like, I must have just discovered it listening to Bootlegs from 2003. I just love that version of the song. So make sure you follow us on the socials. Make sure you head over to the website, which got a redesign songsoftoriamus.com. I like, I'm really impressed with what I saw on the website. So you can head over there, make sure you become a Patreon member. You can follow us on the socials and I will see you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Bye.
Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.